So we're in this conversation called Grace and Truth, and if you've been in this conversation, then you know our premise or our foundation for this conversation deals with Jesus Himself. John chapter 1 verse 14 said that Jesus was full of grace and truth. During His earthly ministry especially, we see it on display that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So the question becomes for us, how in today's world and in our lives do we live like Jesus? How can we live in our interactions with others full of grace and truth? We've talked about living with soft edges and a firm center. Soft edges represent the interactions with people, many of them for the very first time. The grace, the compassion, the kindness... The firm center represents our commitment to Jesus and our commitment to God's Word, that we can be loving and compassionate and gracious and at the same time not compromising the truth of God's Word. As I said a moment ago, we've talked some about the soft edges, if you will, and today we're progressing into that firm center conversation. And next week it will be hopefully our opportunity to talk through the Scripture to navigate how do we... How do we journey in grace and truth with different groups or different people that we interact with specifically and practically? How do we navigate people who maybe aren't Christ followers or are are Christ followers but they're in danger of turning away from truth? How do we navigate uh, dealing with people who claim to be believers and Christians but perhaps they are not paying a lot of attention to the Word of God? A lot of, lot of complexity in this conversation, to be truthful, but I believe the Scripture speaks. Today, I want to take a moment before we do anything else in this series, and I do believe this would be somewhat foundational to our ongoing conversation. I believe we need to define what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to be a Christ follower? At the starting point of our lives and journeys with Jesus, many of us, maybe even in a church like this, heard the gospel message. We understood that there was a sin issue. We understood that Jesus was the only solution for the sin issue. We, we recognize the goodness and the kindness of God towards us. In the gospel, you're brought to the place of the cross, right? We're brought to that place of recognizing God loved us so much and He wanted relationship with us so much that He gave His only Son, Jesus. Jesus took on the form of human flesh. He came to this world uh, dealing with, if you can say, the limitations of human flesh in many ways. And He put Himself on the cross. The Bible says He willingly laid down His life. It wasn't just that there was opposition Jesus willingly laid down His life because He knew on the other side of the cross was resurrection. And that wasn't just for Him. He knew that on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the payment for sin, that there was resurrection for all of us who would believe in Jesus. We could all have new life. When we hear that gospel, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we hear the gospel... Many of us have already said, yes, we've responded. God's kindness to us through Jesus has led us to a place of repentance. If we can define repentance today, repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. 
Repentance is that I am turning away from the life I live. So let's just, to give a visual for us today, I was in a journey this way in my own life, according to the ways of the world, doing whatever I wanted to do, living by flesh. I heard the gospel message. The kindness and truth of God turned my direction. I turned away from this life. Instead, instead I said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Repentance is about a directional change. Repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry, more than just uh, saying, Lord, I need forgiveness of sin. It's about turning away from that life and instead walking with God. And when we do that, when we believe in Jesus, when we believe in the finished work of God, grace is enacted in our lives. We believe faith and we are saved by grace when we believe through faith. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 says it. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So when we come to that place of hearing the gospel, we're repenting and turning away from that life instead towards Christ. We are not just saying, I'm forgiven of my sins and then going on to do our own thing. We are repenting, so that means we're turning away from the old life, and instead our gaze, our hearts, our minds, our lives are to then actually follow Jesus. And how many know if you've ever played follow the leader, right? I know some of you have to think back a few years, but follow the leader, you, you mimic what the leader does. The idea of following Jesus is that our fix, our gaze is on Him, and we want to follow in His steps. Scripture says it that way. We want to follow in His journey, whether it is good, bad, happy, sad, whatever's going on in the moment. We've made a commitment because of the goodness and kindness of the Lord. We will give the rest of our lives loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength because we could never repay the love He's already shown us. My girls are uh, in their kids' group even now. They're walking through uh, their new series today, and they have a memory verse on the mirror in their bathroom. They taped it there just last night to begin this series. And it comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. My paraphrase is that the love is not the fact that we love God. We should love God. The great love that we have, has been experienced is the fact that God first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5 says, Christ died for us. He's demonstrated His love for us. So then we are saying, I will spend the rest of my life loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I have a gratitude in my life for forgiveness and mercy and grace. So I am confessing Him as Savior, but also I am confessing Him as the Lord of my life. He's the leader. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is... Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I'm not only believing Him as the all-sufficient Savior and wanting forgiveness of sin to believe that that's going to change my eternal destiny, but I'm also committing that He's now the Lord of my life and I'm going to follow Him. Are you with me so far? I'm committing to follow Jesus. So after salvation, we're on this journey with Jesus. Salvation is the beginning of a journey with the Lord. The beginning or the gateway of the journey with the Lord. Uh, for anyone who ever repented of sin, came to an altar, baptized in water, all the different things that can go along with that salvation experience, 
Uh, For those people who look back at that moment and say, because all of that happened then, I am a Christ follower, I just would caution us to say, that was the beginning of the journey. We are to be ever on that journey of following Jesus for the rest of our lives. It's, It's not that salvation is just, and I've said this jokingly, it's not that salvation is just this fire insurance policy to protect us from enduring eternal punishment and separation from God in hell. It is that we have committed our lives to following Jesus. There's been a status change in our lives, and now there is an ongoing relationship with Him. And I don't know about you, I can't speak for all of you in the room or online today, but I can say that the more I've journeyed in relationship with Christ, the more I want to know Him, the more I love Him, the more I see Him for who He is, the more He reveals to me through His Word. Even the author of Hebrews challenged us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We're told to fix our eyes, to put them there and focus there and leave our focus there for the rest of our lives. It's an ongoing journey. Now, this does not mean that after salvation we're perfect every day in our lives from then on. Man, It'd be a lot easier if we were. Let's be real. I mean, honestly, if we got saved and just from that moment on, we always did what was right, we always thought what was right, we always said what was right, we always got it right, man, it would just, it would, it'd just be automatic. That would be fantastic. But the reality is when we said yes to following Jesus, we didn't live, leave yet the world that we're living in. So we're kind of now living in this two-world struggle. We're living in the flesh world, the world that we live in in this life and on this earth, but then we're also living now in the spirit realm, if you will, a life that God intends to be controlled by the spirit. And the apostle Paul, who is one of the greatest of God's people in the kingdom, it it feels like, right? When you read his writings, he even talked about this struggle between flesh and the spirit, this ongoing battle to live for God and to grow in our faith and grow on to maturity. So we're not perfect. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. Now, obviously, we can read these verses of Scripture and understand this is first at salvation. At that moment of salvation, we have to admit we're sinners. We fall short of God's glorious standard. But this is also ongoing. This is an ongoing premise in our lives that we're not perfect. We do have moments where we mess up and fall short. There is this idea in Scripture for us, this reality of progressive sanctification. Now, that's a big theological term. Let me simplify it for you. When we get saved, we're set apart from the world unto the glory of God. So we're, in that way, we are positionally sanctified, being that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's Scripture. Again, all of what we're talking about today comes from Scripture. But there is this ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to continually grow, to live more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. 
In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work, salvation, will carry it on, progressive sanctification, to its completion, that's the theological term glorification, on the day of the Lord Jesus. So for the rest of our lives, we're on this growing journey. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be 10 years from now where we are right now. It just simply means that we won't be perfect until we're with Jesus. You with me so far? You tracking? I like to see a few head nods just to make sure nobody's asleep. It works out. We're going to have to start giving caffeinated coffee to the 9 a.m. service. I can see it. So we're on this journey of progressive sanctification. So, so we've made the decision to follow Jesus in our lives. We've repented from our lives, repented from sin, repented from rebellion against God. And we have turned instead to follow Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on Him. We want to be more like Him. So the Holy Spirit is at work in us. So we're on this journey with the Lord, and we're becoming more like Jesus. But that doesn't mean we don't have any trials. That doesn't mean we don't have any fiery darts of the enemy, according to Ephesians 6. That doesn't mean that we don't ever face temptation. Thank you for the one amen in the back. Oh, he said temptation. Everybody be quiet. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about what you're tempted about. We deal with those things, and sometimes it's like rocks along the journey. There's some trip spots that if we're not careful, if, if we're not walking in the Spirit, if we're not leaning into the Word of God, if we're not being empowered by the Spirit and paying attention to what God is saying, if, if we're in that moment of weakness because we're really not walking closely with the Lord, we could go on and on in different scenarios, but the point being there are moments where we can trip up there are moments where the enemy can try to throw things at us, and if we're not really holding that shield of faith up to extinguish those darts, we can get hit a few times. We go through some things in this journey. There are moments where we still fall short, moments where we still struggle. That doesn't mean I turn around and go back to my old life and do the things I want to do and do the way the world tells me to do. My position, my face, my gaze, my life is still pointed towards Christ. Are you with me? It's about direction. It's one thing if all of these temptations are coming at me and then I give in to this temptation to a point that I'm deliberately engaging in this temptation and I'm choosing to deliberately walk in this way. It's another thing when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, I have a moment of weakness fall short, but I stand back up. The righteous fall six times, seven times, but they get back up. I have a moment where I fall, but I get back up. My eyes are still focused on Jesus. He's still gracious. He's still forgiving. He's still helping me along the journey. Is this making sense? There's a direction difference, right? Versus following myself, following the world, and following Jesus. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means I'm paying attention to Jesus because of who He is and because of what He wants to do in my life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no error in him. There's no impurity in him. There's no lies in him. Everything he's ever said, everything he would ever do in our lives is true, is honest, is right, is pure. He is preeminent. That word simply means he is surpassing all other things or beings. He's the greatest. He's before everything else. And he created this world in an order that functions best when it works as designed. There are a lot of people in our world today who want to make God out to be this, uh, this evil dictator 
who doesn't want anybody to have fun and doesn't want anybody to engage in anything joyful in life. And they make him out to be one who's just standing ready to strike somebody down with lightning the moment they do something wrong. What God is actually doing is saying, here's my plan for your life. And if you'll follow it, this will actually be the life I've designed for you to live But if you're choosing not to follow the life I've given you, then you are subjecting yourself to the consequences that come from sin. Are you following me? You're subjecting yourself to a life I didn't design for you to live. I've got a life for you to live. If you will follow me, if you will follow the truth, if you will follow my word, if you will yield to this plan and truly let me be the Lord of your life, your life will be what it needs to be. That doesn't mean it's always perfect, but it'll be what it needs to be. Your direction will be right and your eternity will be secure. But if you do not follow me and you do not follow my word and you decide to get off and do your own thing or follow what the world is telling you, you're going to face consequences for that sin because you're choosing not to follow how I've designed it. Are you with me? Okay, good. We're tracking. Not only all of that is true, but I'm paying attention to Jesus because he rose again. The very fact of Jesus' resurrection tells us he proved who he said he was, and therefore we can take everything he says to heart. He proved it by rising again. So we have this realization that we need Jesus... Then we have said yes to the gospel message and yes to following Jesus. So we have this ongoing relationship with him. We're not perfect, but we're growing. We're pointed his direction. And I would even go far enough to say there is a special grace continually at work in our lives because we are pointed his direction because we're following him. That doesn't mean God makes excuses for sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when our direction is pointed the right way towards Jesus, that means when we fall short, God doesn't send us out and send us away and kick us out of his house. Instead, he pulls us closer, he corrects us as a loving father, and he helps us to grow through what we've done. Are you with me? Okay. This is all scriptural base. If you want more selections of scripture in all of this, I can give you all of those, but for time's sake, I'm trying to move through. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul said, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Can you say those three words with me? I press on. One more time. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, what is the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying... All all this stuff in my past, it's in my past. I can't go back and change it. I can't go back and relive it. He talks about how he was was the perfect Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law like the back of his hand. He had it all figured out, but he came to know Christ, and he realized all that other stuff was garbage. I need to know Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. I need to walk with Jesus. I want to be a slave or a servant to Jesus. And he says, I'm still pressing on to know him more. I'm still pressing on to to be fully engulfed in the power of God. I'm still pressing on more that I might die to myself and die to my flesh and know Jesus and walk with him. He said, I press on. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't attained it yet. I haven't gotten to perfection yet. I'm still in this journey. If my direction is pointed towards Jesus, I'm going somewhere, so just stick with me. If my direction is pointed towards Jesus, 
If I am truly following Jesus, I'm going to pay attention to what He says. That means that as a Christ follower, I am looking to the Word of God as my source of truth. Are you with me? I'm looking to the Word of God as my source of truth. The Bible is not just another book among books. It's not just that Christianity is another religion among religions. I take the Word of God as the Spirit of the Lord leading people to pin the words on the pages that I need to take into my life. It is God-breathed, and it is useful. It is beneficial for my life, and I need to know it, and I need to live it. If I'm really going to say I'm following Jesus, then I'm paying attention to what He's saying. If I say I have faith in Him and I believe in Jesus, then it should show, therefore, as well, in how I live. Now, this is where sometimes people can begin to differ here, but listen closely. If I say I have faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus is true even in the hard times. In fact, I would go far enough to say true faith is tested best in the hard times. If I really believe in Jesus, I'm going to believe in Him no matter what's going on. I'm going to still believe in Him. And I'm going to take His Word to heart. So that means I want to live an obedient life. I want to live a holy life before God. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I always get everything right. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I'm thankful He's patient in that work, aren't you? I'm thankful he's patient in that word, but there should be evidence or fruit in my life that I love Jesus and I'm following him. Right? Okay. Uh, James 2.17, and we could give you a lot of different scripture thoughts here. We could talk about John 15, where Jesus says that you're to dwell in me and I in you. If you remain in me, you will produce fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, James 2.17 says that faith without works is dead. Now, when we talk about faith and works, people say, now, wait a minute. Works, we, we don't need works. We have grace to get to God. That's true. Our works don't get us to God. Our works don't save us. We can never be good enough to earn salvation. We can never give enough. We can never be a part of, of nonprofit organizations enough. We can never be kind enough to other people. It is truly the grace of God that saves us. But then there are fruits of that salvation that the Bible calls works, and it means that the way we live is in an effort every day of our lives to honor Jesus. Our lives show that we want to honor Him. The Bible indicates to us that if I am not interested in keeping Jesus' commandments, I don't really follow Jesus. Uh-oh. I used to tell people, if you can't say amen, say oh me. The Bible indicates that if I'm really not paying attention and I'm really not interested in what Jesus has commanded me, then I'm really not, am I really loving Jesus? Am I really following Him? 1 John, same book we referenced a moment ago, but in chapter 2, verse 3, we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must, li must live as Jesus did. 
Okay, if that's not enough, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus himself said this, If you love me, keep my commands. Following Jesus is more than just the idea of forgiveness from sin and the idea of being saved from eternal separation from God in a place called hell. When we repent, we're turning away from the old life and turning instead towards Jesus, and we're committing to follow Jesus. Do you remember the song the, the songwriter wrote, gosh, a hundred years ago? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I will follow Jesus. I won't just admire Jesus. I won't just know about Jesus. I won't just know a few scriptures, but with my life, in response to the love of God that has been shown towards me, I want to spend the rest of my life loving Him, serving Him, following Him right on into eternity. If we love Him, we keep His commands. And thankfully, even even in moments when we fall short, He picks us up and He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to be empowered to live a life that is following Jesus and pleasing to Him. So what are we saying? Well, we're saying this. A Christ follower lives a different life from someone who does not follow Jesus. Now, I know what's going to come up. And if it doesn't come up today, it'll come up next week and we'll tackle it. The big thing that happens in our world today is who are we to judge one another? Who are we to say, I am or am not following Jesus? We'll talk more about that going forward. But the reality is Scripture declares a Christ follower's life looks different from a life of someone who's not following Jesus. I mean, there are multiple verses of Scripture, and we could go through them like crazy today. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be thinking like the world. Don't don't give in to the behaviors and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans chapter 12. We're, We're told to offer our bodies and our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable before God. We could go on and on and on. A Christ follower's life is different from the one who doesn't follow Jesus. That doesn't mean we never mess up. That doesn't mean we never sin again. It doesn't mean we always get it right. But it does mean, and I'll come back to this again, it does mean our direction is pointed towards Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, my eyes have to be on Him. My ears have to be attentive to what He's saying. And I have to, my life, my way, my effort, my will has to be that I want to follow Jesus, dying to what I want, dying to what the world says. I want to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean our direction is pointed towards Him. We love Him. We want to be with Him. We want to live like Jesus. We want to honor God. When we're truly following Jesus, it is an active commitment, a Christ-centered, Christ-focused life. Commitment. That word alone has lost much of its value in our world today. Most people are not committed I say most. A lot of people are not committed. We see marriages in. We see people leave jobs like crazy these days. We see a lot of evidence that commitment, the idea of commitment, 
It's, I'm committed to it as long as it works for me. I'm committed to it as long as it goes the way I think it should go. What we're saying in salvation and beyond in this journey is, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm recognizing who He is. I'm recognizing that He is above all things. I recognize that He rose from the grave. I recognize that He is God, and I am following Him. Even if that means ridicule, even if that means criticism, even if that means people abandon me, even if that means people think I'm crazy, I'm going to follow Jesus. People who believe the truth of God's Word have the potential to be called a lot of different things. And that in our world could become even more so true. That those who believe the Word of God and accept it as the truth could be ridiculed, criticized, or even abandoned by people who you thought would be with you for the rest of your life. So what we've defined is following Jesus. We've responded to the gospel. We love God. We want to honor God. We pay attention to God's Word. We're not perfect. There are moments where we can trip. There are moments where we can fail, but we're growing and we're pointed towards Jesus. I think about, I have to tell you, God has spoken a lot to me through parenting through the years, but I can't help but think about my children. I love my children, but they are not perfect. Thank you for not laughing. <laughs> they aren't perfect. They're still learning. They're still growing. They are accepting my authority as a parent, but that doesn't mean they always do everything I tell them to do. Right? They understand we take care of them, or at least they better understand we take care of them. They should understand we take care of them, but sometimes they don't do exactly what they're told. There's moments of trip and fail. There's moments of struggle. I don't kick them out of the house. I don't send them away and tell them, you know what, you've blown this too many times. I pull them close. I teach them. I help them to learn and to grow. There are moments where we as Christ followers are going to have moments like that. We're going to trip. We're going to fall. God's going to pull us close for us to grow. It doesn't mean that we're going to be thrown away. It means that our direction is still pointed towards Jesus. We want to know what He says. We want to follow His ways. But it means that we need to continue to grow to become more like Him. There's a difference in direction towards Christ and a deliberate rebellion against His Word. There's a difference between I love God, I'm responding to how He's loved me, I want to please Him, I want to serve Him, I want to walk with Him, and sometimes I fall short, versus I don't want anything to do with God, I don't want anything to do with His Word, I'm going to do life the way I want to do life. Do you understand the difference in direction? That's the big piece I think the Lord may be speaking to us this morning. It's about that direction towards Jesus. A Christ follower is going to position himself or herself to grow. We're going to be part of the body of Christ. We're going to be hungry for more of God. We're going to want to keep going this direction. I love God. I love His Word. I care what He has to say. I may not ever get everything right. I may not be exempt from temptation, but I have made up my mind. I want to follow Jesus. No one could have ever done for me what He's done for me. It's one thing to be turned His direction and tempted. 
It's one thing to be turned his direction and go through some tough things. It's one thing to be turned his direction and continue to grow. It's another thing to choose to deliberately live contrary to his design and his word. There's a good indication of whether a person has chosen to deliberately go against God's word. How do we know when a person has said, you know what, I'm not following Jesus, I'm choosing to go this way. And it comes down to this. Are they seeking what God has to say about the issue? Or are they justifying how His Word doesn't apply to whatever's going on? Because if I'm justifying it, I'm trying to figure out a way to justify it, I'm trying to turn the other direction, I'm going to look for, well, that was a different day. Well, that was a different time. Well, the Bible's not relevant like it used to be. Well, this is what this really means. Or pulling out from a passage of Scripture and saying, well, you know what, this has evidence. Well, Jesus didn't really talk too much about this issue, but it's other places in Scripture. Versus, God, what are you saying about my life? What do you say about this issue in my life? What do you say about my, my decisions and the things that I'm thinking about? Are we seeking what God has on the issue or are we trying to justify why His Word doesn't apply? Okay, let me take the next few moments and try to wrap us up. We've defined what it means to follow Jesus. We're responding to the love of God with loving Him for the rest of our lives. We want to follow Him. We want to serve Him. We want to honor Him. We're paying attention. Our eyes are fixed on Him and on His Word. So how do we inspire? Because the goal of this whole entire series and the goal for we as believers is to help other people become followers of Jesus. So how do we inspire other people to become followers of Jesus? And how in the process of helping other people follow Jesus, how in that process do we live full of grace and truth? How do we live with kindness, compassion, and grace, that soft edge, and yet keep the firm center that following Jesus does look different than the world around us? Are you tracking with me now? Hopefully you're finding I really did have a landing spot today. I think we're going to find that we interact with multiple groups of people. I think we're going to find that Scripture talks about interacting with non-believers. These are people who are not following Jesus. These are people who there is no direction towards Jesus at all. I'm doing my own thing. I'm following the ways of the world. I've bought into whatever society's telling me. There's no regard for God. There's no regard for God's Word. Uh, When we get into this conversation next week of how we interact with non-believers, I would just give you a little snippet to remind you. When Jesus interacted with people who had yet to follow Him, He mentioned, and Scripture mentions multiple times, that He viewed those people as sheep without a shepherd. They can't live the Word of God they don't know. So in many ways, with non-believers, there's a great compassion. We have to keep in viewpoint that they don't know the truth. They're not learning the truth. They're not focused on the truth. Uh, I would tell you that, that these are people, again, whose direction is totally opposite. No regard for God, no regard for God's Word. By the way, A lot of the conversations and the issues of our culture today wouldn't be conversations and wouldn't be issues at all if the Bible was held to the place of authority that it should be. Because I would suggest that there are a number of things that are gray areas for a lot of people that the Bible actually speaks to a little more clearly. And there may be some other things that people try to definitively say that the Bible might be seemingly a little more 
gray on. People get, seem to get more black and white about their traditions than they do the truth of God's Word. Boy, that's a whole different message for a whole different time. What happens in our world, though, is the Bible isn't viewed as absolute truth. In fact, in, in most of our society today, there is no absolute truth. And what that leads to is moral relativism, which means your truth is not necessarily my truth, and no one has the right to tell anyone else how they should live. That's the world we're living in. So we have to remember those kinds of things when we're interacting. And, and what we've come to, and I'm, I'm going to share, I, I hesitate to tell this. If you've ever said this to me, I'm not thinking about you in this moment. If I have one pet peeve, I have more than one, but if I have one pet peeve when it comes to the conversation about truth, I hate the term, my truth. There's your side, and there's the other person's side, but the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I said that was a pet peeve, so that was a side note. We see a lot of evidence and a lot of the fruit, bad fruit, on display in our world today that people are not following Jesus. Because remember, we've identified today what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means my attentions towards Him, my attentions towards His Word. There's fruit, there's evidence that I'm following Jesus. If that's true, and we're taking that from Scripture, so it must be, then that means there's a lot of evidence in our world today that there are a lot of people who aren't following Jesus. Okay. Since that was so popular, let's keep going. We, we not only interact with non-believers, I would say we interact with Christ followers who are in danger. Now, let me explain this one. I would say we interact with Christ followers who are in danger. I, I believe, if not careful in our world today, there are a lot of people who have been pointed towards Jesus and pointed towards His Word, but somewhere along the way there have been other influences coming into their life. And, and sometimes it can be that we open our own doors to influence, and sometimes it can be the people we trust bring in influence into our lives. But if not careful, that influence is actually pulling some people away from focusing on the truth of God's Word and instead focusing on emotionalism, focusing on my truth, focusing on the way the world teaches things versus the way God teaches things. I believe the Scripture actually speaks direct to this group of people that there are many people in our world today, and, and I'm going to say that, there are, there, are, there are Christ followers today who are in danger of buying into a false gospel. What do I mean by false gospel? I mean things like all roads lead to heaven, things like it doesn't matter how you really live, things like it's salvation by any other means other than Jesus, the cross and grace, uh, there are many people who are in danger of accepting some contradiction or error of Scripture. I can tell you, I've had it, not here, but in previous pastors, I can tell you moments where I've sat down with people and I've said to them, I really believe God has a different plan for your life. I really don't believe that how you're living is how God designed. And that's part of the reason why you're dealing with the consequences and the reason why you came to my office wanting me to pray for you because you're in a mess. And I've had people look across the table and say to me, well, yeah, yeah, I've had people tell me that. But, I mean, that was then, and this is now. And, and those were different days in Bible times. And listen, I, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself for next week, but I can tell you this. As much as we often say things like, I've never seen the world as bad as it is today, have any of you ever read 1 Corinthians? 
Any of you ever read some of the things in Scripture? Because there were some of these same issues then. And God's Word spoke to it. We've got to be careful not to reject the Bible's relevance to our lives today. Christ followers who are in danger are in danger of, of rejecting some Scripture or twisting some Scripture to fit the cultural narrative. This is why, as a pastor, I get so concerned about how easy it is to find preachers on the Internet. If, if you're going to listen to someone, I don't care. I, I'm not naive. People are going to listen to other people. I listen to other people. In fact, there's a few of them I'd like to preach their messages because they were really good. I don't, but I'd love to. If you're going to listen to people, including myself, does it align with the Word of God? Does it align with the Word of God? If it doesn't align with the Word of God, the listener is in danger of their beliefs and their living being shaped by lies. If it's not truth, it's a lie. There is no in-between. People can be in danger, and this is one thing that I think we're really dealing with right now in our culture. People can be in danger of living in sin. Remember, we've talked about this. Living directly pointed in sin versus following Jesus and struggling through some temptation and struggling through some challenges. There's a difference in facing a temptation, maybe because of childhood maybe because of personality, maybe because of just some things that are going on in a person's heart and life. There's a difference in following Jesus, paying attention to Him, wanting to hear what His Word says, wanting to live the way He has designed us to live, versus I'm taking the truth of Scripture, and I'm just going to ignore the passage that doesn't go well with what I think, and I'm just going to do what I want to do and say it's okay because God blessed it. There's a big difference. There's a difference in someone coming into a church even and saying, I'm struggling with some tendencies, I'm struggling with some temptations, I'm struggling with some attractions, but I want to know what God has to say. I want to grow in the Lord. I'm paying attention to His Word. There's a difference in that versus I've given my life to deliberately live a lifestyle that the Scripture clearly says is wrong. There's a big difference. And I'm afraid that today in our culture, the people who are being drawn to this rebellious way of living will always be able to find someone who will encourage them in it. And I'm not just talking about Google. I'm, I'm talking about some of the preachers too. Can I just tell you something? I can fill a pulpit a lot, or fill a, fill a parking lot a lot easier if I preach grace, grace, grace with no truth. Now, that's not to say that every person or every place who has a following, that's not to say that every place that has a large crowd is going against the Scripture. That's not what we're saying. We are simply saying we have to be cautious in our day to make sure that things align with the Word of God because if it doesn't align with the Word of God, it's not the way God intended it for our lives. Does this make sense today? It's an important conversation because we can read clearly in Scripture about this idea of a great falling away in the latter days from Jesus. 
There's a big difference between losing salvation and forfeiting salvation. Boy, your eyes are on me now. Now I know what I should have said earlier. Losing salvation versus forfeiting salvation. The Bible is clear in Scripture. I'll spend the last few moments talking about this, and then we'll do one more thing and we'll wrap up. The Bible is clear that once we are found in Christ, neither the enemy nor the world can snatch us from His hand. We are safe and secure. I will even go far enough to use the terminology that we can be eternally secure in Christ. Where we differ scripturally is when we start using terminology unconditionally eternally secure in Christ. Because while no one can pluck me from the hand of God, I can choose, and oftentimes it's not an immediately wake up in the morning, flip the light switch kind of thing. But somewhere along the way, I can choose to entertain the influences of the people around me. I can choose to entertain the influence of the world around me and begin to shift my focus away from Jesus and instead towards the world and one day look up and wonder, where is God? Well, God is still where He was. But I moved. I turned away. So, so when we talk about this idea, I, I don't believe the enemy of the world can take our salvation, but I want to be careful to walk with God, to focus on Him, to love Him, to love His Word, to want to know what He has to say about my life. And I don't want to let anything into my life that differs from the Word of God to a point that I could be influenced to turn away from God. Do you understand that difference? Losing salvation has been a terminology that's gone around in years gone by. And, you know, you think about a wallet in your back pocket. When you talk about salvation, we're not talking about sitting down in your wallet falling out like you've got to be fearful around every corner that somehow you're going to lose the grace of God. We're talking about the free will of mankind to make decisions to rebel against what God has told us and how we should live. I tell you, I have always found in the grace and truth conversation, the grace part so much more popular than the truth part. I hope you're tracking with me today. We shouldn't be people as believers who are fearful of losing salvation. But we should be, the Bible says, alert, sober-minded, spiritually awake and aware. Because the enemy's prowling around, because the world is coming against us, because there are plenty of people in our world today who are attempting to redefine what the Bible says about things. We have to be aware. We have to be committed to following Jesus, committed to the Word of God, committed to ongoing relationship with God, and committed to spirit empowerment. Now is not the time for Christ followers to be lukewarm or asleep. Yeah, give God some praise. You can do that. So we're going to interact with, with some believers who are going to be in danger of, of falling away. In fact, the Scripture, I'll give you a little snippet again. The Scripture talks about uh, being gracious and merciful to reach out and to snatch those who would be going the wrong direction. Snatch those from the fire to make sure that we are attentive to our brothers and sisters and helping each other. Okay, last. Uh, nominal Christians. Uh, we're going to interact with people who are nominal Christians. I think in America this is worse than anywhere else. There are plenty of people who claim to be Christians, but 
I say again, it's about direction. If I say I'm a Christian, that means I'm following Jesus. I'm not even sure I like the term Christian. Hear me out before you stone me. I'm not sure I like the term Christian because I believe it's been diluted. That's why you'll hear me talk a lot about being a Christ follower. Because to me, if not careful in our nation, Christian has been made to be synonymous with American. And Christian means how you vote. And Since that's getting so many shouts. And Christian means we, we've attached the identity of being a Christian to all these other things that are really more about patriotism and... And, and being citizens of this country. And there's nothing wrong with being patriotic. I'm patriotic. I, I'm glad to be a part of America. I'm thankful that I get to live in this country. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. I really do wish gas prices would keep going down, but that's a different conversation. You can talk to me about that after church. But being a Christ follower is above everything else. And I would actually go far enough to say there may come a day that we have to choose is our loyalty to Christ or is our loyalty to a country? Nominal Christians. Name, they profess to be Christians. With their mouths they proclaim to love God and follow Jesus, but their lives send a different message when compared to the truth of Scripture. Uh, the myth, again, is if I'm an American, I'm a Christian. That's not true. That's not a default. That's not automatic. That's not a guarantee. Or I can be a Christian and fill in the blank. There are many things that are being associated now that way. And again, it's being proclaimed by people who are calling themselves pastors. So how do we live with grace and truth in our interactions with non-believers or Christ followers in danger or nominal Christians? What does the Bible say? Is it different for different groups of people? How do we go about what does the Bible say to us? And we're going to pick up there next week. Tough conversation. Because many of us have people in our lives that we love, that we recognize it's difficult it's hard to have a conversation full of grace and truth with those individuals. Not hard in the sense of uh, you and I knowing what we should do or what's the truth of the word or how to be kind. But recognizing that when we get into this conversation where we start proclaiming the truth, even with good attitudes, even with kindness, we live in a world with so many voices that people don't always respond to truth well. And I pray that as we continue to live in this world for as long as we live in this world, that that will not be something that makes us irate and mad to a point of showing bad attitudes towards people. How could they believe that? How could they think this way? But instead when we're having this conversation about grace and truth, we would be grieved in our hearts to know there are people who aren't following Jesus who need His life-giving ways. And that we would be propelled to do a lot more praying on our knees for the people around us every day.
That we would spend time praying, God, how do I have these conversations with my family? How do I have conversations with my coworkers? God, give me open doors of opportunity to do this. Help me to do it well. Help me to to communicate truth well with, with graciousness and seasoned with salt. Help me, Lord, to navigate this conversation. This I pray that this series is more than just talking out loud with all these thoughts, but that it would propel us the end goal to helping other people follow Jesus. It would propel us to have conversations with the people in our lives. I'm going to ask you today, if you're in the auditorium, would you stand? We've gone just a little longer than normal today. I think you understand why, because of we've covered a lot of ground today. I'm going to ask if you're in the room and and you're available to pray with others, some of our prayer team that's here, some of our leadership that's here, would you begin to step out and make yourself available on either side of the auditorium today? We've got some leaders and some prayer partners and and prayer team members that will be here to pray with you. They'll, They'll pray with you for salvation. They'll pray with you for needs in your life. But I want to ask you, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for a moment? If you've been here long enough, you know this is just to be intentional, to say, God, what are you speaking to me? And I want to ask you today the most important question I could ask you. Are you following Jesus? Are you pointed His direction? Have you made up your mind to to follow Him? I'm not asking today, are you perfect? None of us in the room could say yes to that. I'm not asking, are you perfect? But I'm asking, are you seeking the Lord? Are you walking in, in an ongoing relationship with the Lord? Time with Him, time in His Word, opportunities for Him to speak, opportunities for Him to lead and guide your life. Are you following Jesus? Are you truly following? Maybe today you, you put yourself in a place that we've even described. Maybe you have followed Jesus, but today you recognize there's been some influence in your life and, and you're really not pointed His direction the way you need to be. And today you need to, to repent. You need to ask for that forgiveness. You need to reposition your focus to Christ. Maybe today you're in the room or online and You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And today you're saying, I recognize God gave His Son Jesus for me. He's the answer for sin. I can spend eternity with God. I want to do that. And today you need to make that decision. Someone will pray with you today. Help leading you in that prayer that's appropriate to say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I want you to be the Lord leading my life. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to challenge you. And when I say amen today, you not feel like you have to be quick to run from this moment, but that you feel you can take all the time you need to pray, to make sure you are following Jesus in your life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in our lives. And we pray today that you would help us as we follow you. May we grow more and more to love you, to love your truth. May we grow more and more by the help of the Spirit to live in a way that's like Jesus and that pleases you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. 
Thank you for your love. Thank you for truth. Thank you, Lord, for what you're continuing to do in all of us. Now I pray that you would bless and keep this people. You make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May you turn your countenance their direction and grant them your peace. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.